Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. Today we're continuing our series. We're in uh, number two of our series, Message on the Move. As we read through the F260 reading plan, we are going to be starting in Acts at the end of this week. So Friday, if you're doing the reading plan, you'll be in Acts 1, and then next week you'll cover Acts 2 through 9. And so during this series, we're going to be looking at Acts and how the message of Jesus meets very different people in different ways and changes their life. And today we're going to be looking at a story where Peter and John encounter a man who is a beggar and he's unable to walk. And so we're going to read that in just a minute, but first let me pray. Lord, we pray that your word would change us. We pray that we would be transformed as we understand who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, may this be more than just information, but true transformation. I want my own heart to love you more, to love the message of the gospel more, and I pray for these people as well, the same thing. And all God's people said, Amen. We're in Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 20. Now, if you jump into Acts, here's what's already happened. Uh, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's met with his disciples for 40 days and taught them about the kingdom of God. And then he ascended into heaven. And before he ascended into heaven, he said, "Uh, listen, what you need to do is go and stay in Jerusalem and pray. And soon the Holy Spirit will come and he will empower you for mission. And you'll go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth with the message that I have given you. And that happens. The Holy Spirit comes and they find fresh new power to share the gospel. Peter preaches and the Christians go from just 120. There was literally just 120 Christians to 3,120 after one sermon. I'd love to preach that sermon at some point. Uh, But now we're in Acts chapter 3 and when we jump in, This new growing church in Jerusalem is figuring out what it means to be Christians together, and we pop in on Peter and John going to the temple to worship. So if you've got a Bible, I'm in Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 20. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was carried there. He was placed each day at the temple called Beautiful, the temple gate called Beautiful, so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, Look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Get up and walk. Then taking him by the hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. Verse 11, while he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran toward them 
in what is called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people, fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we had made him walk by our own power or godliness? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and denied before Pilate, though he had decided to release him. You denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer released to you. You killed the source of life, whom God had raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. And now, brothers and sisters, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your leaders also did. In this way, God fulfilled what he had predicted through all the prophets that his Messiah would suffer. Therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. Last verse, verse 20. That seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus who has been appointed for you as the Messiah. The word of God. I know that we've been joking a little bit about um, the men's grill and chill from last night and how we had so much meat. It was awesome. We literally did. We, we sent everyone home with steaks and pork and all sorts of stuff. So if, if you're a vegetarian, I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm personally not a huge fan of vegetables. I eat them to set a good example for my children and because my wife makes me and my sister is a dietitian, So I, I kind of lost out there. Um, but I'm not a huge fan of vegetables, especially green vegetables. And as we joked around last night, someone did bring a veggie tray and it was mainly untouched. It kind of hid behind the meat. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's hard to get kids to eat vegetables. It's challenging to get kids to eat vegetables. But I have found out that there's actually a way to do it. I was reading a study, like a scientific study, and they said that the way to get kids to eat something they don't want to eat is to actually put it in a McDonald's wrapper. In this study, what they did is they had kids sit down, and they took some food that was not from McDonald's, and they put one of this type of food in a generic box, and they took the exact same type of food, not from McDonald's, and they wrapped it up in a McDonald's wrapper, and they gave both to the kids. Same exact food, different wrapper. And the kid would try the food from the McDonald's wrapper and then with the generic wrapper, and then they were asked which one tastes better. And the kids would always point to the one in the McDonald's wrapper, even though it was the exact same food. Even though it was the exact same food. And it makes you think, you know, um, that wrapper is pretty powerful when it comes to sending a message to the kids. Uh, you know, they, they have the exact same food, but with the McDonald's wrappers on it, they're convinced that the one in the wrapper is better. That crinkly mat wrapper sends a message about what's inside, even though what's inside doesn't match to the wrapper. You know, our, our faith has a message. Our Christian faith has a message. And I find that sometimes we are not really sure what that message is. And sometimes when we're talking about our faith with other people, 
we feel the need to put a more attractive wrapper on the outside of it to try and convince people that it's actually a good thing. Uh, Sometimes, though, we ourselves are wrong or confused about what the main message of our faith is, and so we focus on what we think the wrapper of our faith is, and sometimes we get that wrong. Now, sometimes we think that our faith is really about learning to be like me as a Christian. And so we communicate that with other people. We say, hey, why don't you try and be like me? I mean, we see this even now with like Christian influencers on social media where it's like, hey, live like like me. Um, That's the wrong wrapper for the message of Christianity. Here's another one. Um, Come to this specific building because God really works in this specific building. Uh, We get confused what the church actually is. The church is not a building, it's a people. While we want you here at this building, this building is really just a wrapper for something that's of more substance. It's really just a wrapper for something that has substance, the main message of our faith. Here's another one. If you follow Jesus, God will give you a better life. Now, I know that's not true because I just heard Chris Curtis share his testimony last night, and after he started following Jesus, his life actually got harder. But sometimes we feel the need to wrap up our faith with that attractive message of, hey, if you follow Jesus, your life will just get better and better and better and better. What then are we really about? Like, if we take off all those wrappers, what is the main message of our faith? That's what we're going to find out today. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are walking up to the temple. Now, at this point, they still continued to worship at the temple because they didn't really know where else to go. Like, that's where we've been worshiping God all our lives. So even though we follow Jesus, we're going to go and worship with the rest of the Israelites because the temple was known as the touch point between heaven and earth. It was where God dwelled. It was where people could come and experience God and worship him and offer sacrifices and pray. So they, they just went to the temple. And as they're on the outskirts of the temple, not quite in the middle of the temple, but on the outskirts, they see this man who has not been able to walk his entire life. And this man is in a position, a very wise position, where he's stationed where there's a lot of foot traffic. And the reason that he's stationed where there's a lot of foot traffic is that he wants people to see him and see that he can't walk, and he's going to beg for money and get money so that he can have a a better life. This is a little bit like the I-95 exit, right? That's a strategic place if you're going to ask for money because people are stopped and they have to see you as they pass by you and there's an opportunity to ask for money. But what do you do if you're at an I-95 exit and you don't have any money? You avoid eye contact, right? You avoid eye contact. You don't want to make eye contact. You just feel bad. So you just pretend to play with your phone or... You just start talking to the person next to you, and you just kind of feel ashamed, right? So you don't make eye contact, but Peter does the exact opposite. Peter doesn't avoid eye contact. He walks right up to the man and looks him in the eyes. You almost get the feeling that he's like this, like in the guy's face. 
And because there's so much foot traffic around, the man must have been distracted. But Peter says to him, look at me. And the man does. And the man must think, here's my opportunity. I mean, this would be like someone calling you at the I-95 exit, rolling your, their window down and being like, come over here to my car. You expect that you're going to get something, right? But the first thing Peter says is, hey, I don't have any money. And you know, the guy's got to be thinking like, well, what, what, did you, what are you doing? Get out of the way. I'm working here. Peter says, I don't have any money. And in verse 6, he says this. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And Peter puts his hands on the man and lifts him up, but he finds as he tugs him up that the man is actually able to hold his own weight. And the man's able to move. And the man's able to walk. And before he knows it, the man is jumping up and down. Now, you can imagine this all happened rather quickly from the eye contact with the man to maybe just a minute later, this man is up and jumping, praising God. And because this man was well-known and because everyone was walking by, it went noticed. And in verse 9 and 10, it says, all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. The crowd sees this. They're like, wait, wait, isn't that the guy that, what's he doing up walking They're filled with awe, and they run over. And at that moment, Peter has an opportunity to give a message. And his message is really simple, if you look at it. His message is our message. His message is is what's underneath all those wrappers. The main message that we have is the answer that our kids know to give in Sunday school if they're asked a question and don't know the answer. Peter's main message and our main message is one word, Jesus. Jesus is the source of life. Jesus is what God's story is all about. Jesus is the perfect and righteous one. Jesus is the one who is resurrected from the dead. Jesus has the name that is most powerful in the universe, Our main message is Jesus. Why why do we put another wrapper on it? Why do we feel the need to convey something differently to the world to make it more attractive? Maybe it's because we think that following Jesus is a little bit like eating your vegetables. And we're not really enjoying it. And so we don't think that other people are going to enjoy it. So we feel a need to make it more attractive and wrap it up. Or or maybe it's simply that we're confused. We're confused about what it means to follow Jesus and that the main message of us as followers of Jesus is Jesus. I think there's a few areas where we get it confused. Now, this man did get a better life, he was healed. And he was able to walk. 
But did, did you notice that Peter denied his first request for a better life? The man wanted money. And Peter said, I don't got no money to give you. In verse 6 through 7, Peter said, I don't have any silver and gold, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, raised him up, raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. Now what Luke is writing here, he wants us to get the spiritual meaning behind the miracle. He's using language that sounds like resurrection because he wants us to see that the main point wasn't just the man walking, but that he was raised to new life through Jesus Christ. A new life with God, a new life with new family, a new life where the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of him. Luke wants us to see in the story as he writes it to us that this isn't about a better life. This is about a completely new life in Jesus Christ. And so the imagery that he's bringing up is that of resurrection, not just getting better, but a new life in Jesus Christ. See, our message is Jesus, but it's not about a better life in Jesus. It's about a completely new one through him. Sometimes I find that it's easy to go, Jesus, change the circumstances around me, when Jesus is all about bringing new life in you. In other words, he's not just about changing everything around you for a better life, but changing inside of you so that you have a completely new life, so that you love him, you follow him, you're filled with his spirit. Jesus isn't primarily about making your life easy, but bringing the, the power of the resurrection in your life so that you know God. See, if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, then this lame beggar is you. You couldn't go anywhere spiritually. You couldn't do anything. But Jesus, in his power of being raised by the dead, has brought you into new life. Because I guarantee you that this man, even after he walked, he went through trials and tribulations and hardship, but he could think back to that moment of resurrection where he was able to stand on new legs and go, I have new life in Jesus Christ, even though the circumstances around me are challenging. And if you're a Christian, that has happened to you. You have new life in you, even if life is beating down on you. Our main message is Jesus, not just a better life in him, but a completely new one. But as Christians who live out this new life, we are called to care for people. Like we're not just called to discard them and say, we don't care about you having a better life. I know some Christians kind of do that. Like some Christians will go out to eat and, uh, and they'll be like, what you really need is new life. So I'm not going to tip the waiter. I'm just going to leave a track for him. Don't do that. <laughs> You're not winning anybody with that message. <laughs> but, but at the same time, um, we, we are called to care for people who are in need. But it's not only about caring for them. We want them to know Jesus. We want them to have a new life in Jesus. If we can make their lives better, we should, because Jesus' kingdom is one of mercy and justice and love and compassion. Yet at the same time, showing people Jesus' kingdom without them meeting Jesus can be a little pointless. Because it's not just about a better life through Jesus, it's about new life in him. 
We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's word. The the second place that I think we can get a little off is thinking of ourselves as the church, uh, as a building rather than a people. You know, in South Florida, one of the most popular models of church, and I know you guys are like, wait, what do you mean models of church? Well, there's different models of church that you can have, and one of those models is the attractional church. In an attractional church, um, the idea is like, come and see. So we're going to have big lights and smoke machines, and we're going to have a big show so that you come and can see, and you're attracted to come. Now, that's not our model. Our model is very simple, and every model has its upsides, and it's downsides. But one of the reasons that we specifically didn't choose that model is because we wanted the church to really be about people, not necessarily going to a place. Here's where this comes from in the text. In people's minds, they met God at the temple. They met God in a complex, in a facility, in a building. In fact, that's the way God planned it. God had called Israel to build the temple so that people from all around the nations could come to the temple building and worship him. But something new is happening in this story. In verse 2, it says, A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. In other words, where this story takes place is not in the building, but outside the building. It's not inside, but it's on the outskirts. And not only is it just on the outskirts, it's on the outskirts with someone who's an outcast from the temple. In Leviticus 21, someone who had the condition, it says that someone who had the condition like this man had could not fully participate in the temple worship. So now we have a miracle happening outside the building with someone who's an outcast from that building. Luke means for us to see this. Because when Jesus moves, he's moving on the outskirts of the building with an outcast through his people. Peter says, look at us. Something is about to happen through us. Jesus is going to do something here, not in this building, but to you, away from the building. And in fact, the rest of the, the, rest of the book of Acts, you'll see that God's movement, that the people of Jesus get further and further away from the temple and further and further away from Jerusalem where the temple's located. That's on purpose. Luke wants us to see that God is moving through Jesus Christ, not based on a building, but based on a people. The church isn't a building, it is a people, and therefore our message is not this building. This building isn't even a church. It's just a building. We are the church who happen to meet in this building. Now, when we talk about church, I think branding is important, right? Like, who are we? What are we about? What are our colors? What does it look like? All that stuff's important. And our building's important. If you've been part of this church for a while, you know that there was a time where we were like, we don't know which way is forward. And then God provided this building. And God brought in funds for us to renovate it. And now we've been here almost four years. And it's been amazing. 
I love this building. I love that I get to meet with you here in this building. But our message is not about this building. Our main message is Jesus and what he's doing in us as his people who happen to meet here. But if this building gets blown over by the hurricane, that won't kill New City Church. Because the church is the people. It's not a place. It's not a building. And sometimes I think we're, we're so tempted uh, to think of the church as a building and get so focused on these things that are just the wrapper for the main message. And may this building never get in the way of us knowing that the main thing is Jesus working in us as his people, not just in a building. Sometimes I think that people have this mindset so much that they think of going to church as like a spiritual checklist. Like, what I really need to do is go show up at that building, sing the songs they sing, listen to that guy up front talk too long, and then I'll go home and I'll have crossed it off my spiritual checklist. That's not the point at all. We are gathering together. And it doesn't say gathering at a building. It says gathering together to worship King Jesus and then going out to demonstrate who he is in the world. That's what we're about. We're not here just to check something off our list and get on with the week. This building has no power in it. The only power it has in it is because we're here and we have the Holy Spirit in us. And Jesus is the one who has done a work in us. And that's why this building's special. Because we're here. And even as the people that we are, I mean, we're really not that special. I mean, in one sense, we're incredibly flawed. Peter knew this. I mean, Peter is just two months shy of his greatest spiritual failure. Do you know what that is? On the night that Jesus was betrayed and went on trial, Peter denied Jesus one, two, three times. That was just two months ago from when this event is happening. And so Peter knows that he is a flawed and broken person. In fact, he makes sure to tell the crowd in verse 12, he says, fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we made him walk by our own power or our own godliness. What Jesus has done here through us is not really about us. Peter knows that he is a failure, but Jesus is perfect. Peter knows that he is weak, but Jesus is strong. Peter knows that he is powerless, but Jesus is powerful and is committed to work through him as one of his people. And in verse 16, Peter says, here's the point, man. By faith in Jesus' name, his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through who? Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. I'm not the point. (laughs) Peter's not the point. You're not the point. It's Jesus and our faith in him that is our main message. And that means we don't have to be perfect. That means that we can be honest about who we are. As Chris said, we can be authentically broken people who struggle to believe because our faith is in the one who is absolutely trustworthy, is perfect and righteous, and is so 
committed to us as his people. I had some friends who, who went to a church once, and they came away from that church having spent a couple years there, and they said, listen, we just couldn't do it anymore. I said, why? Well, I said, well, the message from that church to us was, you need to be awesome. And if you can just be awesome, then more people will want to come to our church because you're awesome. And then our church will grow because you're awesome. And so my friends tried to be awesome, and they found out that they weren't. (laughs) They were honest, and they're like, we're struggling in our marriage. I'm feeling depressed. I can't be awesome. But see, that's the great thing about what we're learning about the main message of our faith. It's not about us pretending we're something we're not. It's about Jesus and our faith in him. He is the perfect one. Our message is one word. It's Jesus. Are are you clear on that? If you're clear on that, you'll be able to call others into it as well. If you're clear on the fact that our message is Jesus, you'll be able to call others into faith in Jesus as well. Despite your failures and despite their failures, One of the things I love about what Peter says is how blunt he is with the crowd that has gathered. Look at what he says in verse 14 and 15. He says, you denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer released to you. He's talking about when Pilate said, should we free Barabbas or Jesus? And they freed Barabbas instead of Jesus, and Jesus went to the cross. You killed the source of life who God has raised from the dead, We are witnesses of this. Now, here's the thing. You think your sin is bad. These are the people who chose Barabbas over Jesus, and Jesus went to the cross because of their decision. Now, God's sovereignty, that was part of God's plan, but the avenue through which he expressed that plan is these people's failure to pick a murderer over the source of life. And you start to think about that, and you go, well, how can God ever forgive that? A couple weeks ago, I took one of my kids to go hang out with my nephews and my sister. And while we were in the pool, one of my nephews took a ball and aimed it right at my daughter's face. And as a boy would, just threw it as hard as he could and smashed the ball in her face. And she just went over. And she's just not, we have three girls. She's not used to being around boys. So I kind of hugged her for about 10 minutes and then began to talk to her about it. And I said, what if we offered him forgiveness? And she said, I can't. And I said, why? And she said, well, he made a choice. He did it on purpose. It was flagrantly offensive. He made a decision to throw that ball in my face. And I said, well, have you ever done anything on purpose that's offensive to Jesus? And she was quiet. And I said, has he forgiven you? And then she wanted to leave and go do something else. But the point is that what these people have done is the worst decision that you could have made to choose a murderer over Jesus to set free. And yet, there's opportunity for them as complete and utter failures to know Jesus. Listen to how he closes out our passage. Peter says, therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins 
your failures, your flagrantly bad decision may be wiped out, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus who has been appointed. In other words, these people who have made the worst decision in history can still experience the forgiveness of God through Jesus and the presence of God through Jesus and look forward with hope to the return of Christ even though they're complete failures. Because this is about what Jesus has done for them, not how good or bad they are. Can you sense how sweet the message of the gospel is? Can you sense how strong the message of Jesus is for sinners and failures like you and me? Why do we feel a need to wrap it up with something else? Why do we feel the need to get in the way and make it attractive for other people and sort of bend it and twist it in ways so that people will come and and open it up and, and then we treat it like it's vegetables? The message of Jesus is the greatest news that has ever been and has ever will be. And it's for sinners like you. And it's for broken people out in the community. And it's for your family. And it's for those that live on your street. It is the greatest message of all time. And it has changed you and it has changed me. Where would you be without this message? Where would you be? Chevelle, where would you be without the message of Jesus? Becky, where would you be if Jesus hadn't come into your life? Chris, what had happened if Jesus hadn't called you out of your sin and shown you grace and forgiveness? Renette, what would it be like if Jesus hadn't met you? What would it be like for me? I don't even want to think about what my life would be like without Jesus. Jesus is the best thing ever. And it's the simple message of our church. And it has changed us, and it will change many more people. So let's keep the main thing the main thing. Our main message is Jesus. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. Download our app by searching New City HH in your app store. We'll see you next week.